You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvicecoaching.com. Oh, it's funny. I don't know if I've ever told you this. And for those of you who are new, you don't know this. How did I even come up with the name How to Talk to Girls? Like, what, Where did that come from? I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple name. It makes sense. This is what the podcast is about. But where did I come up with that? Well, I do have a business partner here at Trip Advice, and him and I have been working together for the last, um, let's see, 15, that's three, yeah, about seven years, almost eight years. And we decided in 2014 that we needed to create a podcast. And we said, well, what, what should we call the podcast? And we thought, oh, you know, trip advice and just going through ideas, what we call the trip advice podcast. And then we realized if we put the trip advice podcast, because that's the company name, my company is called trip advice, right? The dating coaching company. And if we call it trip advice, no one's going to know what it is. They're going to think it's a bad spelling of, of some sort of vacation advice or travel advice, and they're not going to get it. So then we said, okay, we got to have something a little bit more on the nose, and then what we did is at that time, we looked at the YouTube channel. We thought, well, what was a, a YouTube video that, that has a lot of views, right? And the reason why we wanted to look at that is because we wanted to see, well, what connected with people? What was the title of a YouTube video that has a lot of views that connected with people? And what do you know? At that time, one of the top videos was called How to Talk to Girls. And that was it. That's how How to Talk to Girls was born. Uh, it'd be interesting if if we did that exercise today, because if you go to my YouTube channel today and you see the most popular videos, the most popular one is, is called How to Make a Girl Squirt in Under Three Minutes. So I, I don't think we could have called our podcast How to Make a Girl Squirt in Three Minutes. But anyway, <laughs> a little comedy for you today. How to Talk to Girls. That's what it's called. That's why we're here. And today's episode is literally about how to talk to girls, because we're talking about questions. We're talking about powerful questions, questions that actually get responses, questions that can help build a connection with the woman. Well, this is me digging into the archives, which I do every once in a while, and I find a really good episode that I did that just didn't get the love that it deserved. And it was an interview that I did with... Jason Pfeiffer, who I don't think he works at Entrepreneur Magazine, but at the time he was the editor-in-chief at Entrepreneur Magazine, and he's a journalist, so no one better to talk to about how to ask great questions than talking to a journalist. They are the king of questions. So this interview is all about that. We give you some awesome questions to use, and you can use them. So take some notes. This is a great episode. I really loved it. If you heard it in the past, then listen to it again because it's going to help you. So here's my interview with Jason. This is from 2021, talking about powerful questions. Hey, Jason, how you doing, man? Good to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. A lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So Jason, for the guys who probably don't know you, why don't you give yeah. a little bit of background on how you got started in doing what you do? and what you've been up to. Sure. So I am currently the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, a national magazine that I, uh, I'm fortunate enough to run. 
I have been an editor at Men's Health, Maxim, Fast Company, Boston Magazine. I was a newspaper reporter at the beginning of my career. I've freelanced for kind of everybody, Slate, Washington Post, New York Times, Popular Mechanics, and so on. And also I've got a novel coming out with my wife called Mr. Nice Guy, which is about two people who each week sleep together and then critically review each other's performance in a magazine. So uh, we think a lot about dating uh, in writing that novel. But yeah, I, I've spent my career in journalism and in storytelling, and which really means getting in front of people who I don't know and having to create a conversation and getting them comfortable with me and comfortable enough that they will open up to me and form some kind of bond so that they're telling me something you know, valuable and insightful and often very personal. And I have to do that in a short amount of time, which means that a lot of what I do is not really dissimilar to dating. Where did you learn all this? Well, I, there was, I didn't take any classes for it or anything. I Kind of like a trial and error process? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I remember the very first interviews that I did as a journalist, which was when I was, a, I was in college and I was an intern, and I was so nervous to do it that I wrote all the questions out. And that is actually a classic problem that journalists, and I think anybody falls into, which is that if you're thinking about the next question that you're going to ask, then you're not really listening to what somebody's saying, and therefore you're not naturally following up. And so the, you know, the first the interviews that I did where I would like write out all the questions in advance and then I would like nervously pick up the phone, like those were terrible interviews, right? Because they didn't, it was, it was essentially like asking somebody to fill out a form. You weren't talking to me as a human, you were talking to me as a question asker. So a lot of the early stuff for me was just learning to let go of that and be very comfortable in the moment where I knew maybe the first question or two that I was going to go into a conversation with. But then after that, it was entirely based on what I was hearing back from the person. And you know, you can really get a sense once you start listening to somebody about the things that they're interested in. And also often the most interesting stuff that somebody has to say, they will only hint at. And you really need to be able to pick up on it and then ask them one or two other follow-ups until you get to a place where like, they know that you really are interested and then they're going to really tell you the good stuff. How do you show them that you're interested? Do you just repeat back kind of what they said or you're just asking specific follow-up questions on whatever the topic is? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's really all about the follow-up. It's about the thoughtful follow-up. Do you have an example? Yeah, well, sure. So this is, this is, I mean, this sort of skips ahead to kind of like advanced interviewing, I would say. But honestly, I think that this is an amazing trick for dating as well, which is this. And I learned this from, if you've ever heard This American Life, classic radio show, the host is this guy named Ira Glass. And yeah, he's, he's a, great. He's, an, he's amazing. He's an amazing storyteller. And I attended a talk that he gave once when I was a young journalist and he gave this trick to the audience and I've used it ever since. So he said to... Not, and you can't do this all the time, right? But like when you see the right moment, don't just ask a question, but float a theory, which is to say that instead of just asking some kind of follow up, digest the information that somebody's given you. You know, maybe they're telling you about their career trajectory or they're telling you about their upbringing or whatever. And take it in and then, and then float a theory by them, which is to say, like, 
you know, is the reason why you did that because of, you know, X, Y thing, because you were really interested in this and that took you off in this direction and you felt like you had to pursue that because of why, like, it's not a judgmental thing. What it is, is it's, it's presenting yourself as, as a really thoughtful digester of information. And what it tells them is that you're listening and you're really thinking about what they're saying. You're like, trying to understand the narrative of their lives. And that's important for two reasons. One, because I believe quite firmly that the number one thing that everybody wants, everybody in the world wants, is to feel heard. That's what they want. If you can give them the sensation of feeling heard, not just that you like took the information, you heard them, then they respond so warmly to it. It is really the greatest compliment you can offer someone. And two, when you float a theory, you force someone to react to it in a more thoughtful way, right? So there's a big difference from me saying, and then what did you do, right? And, and or, oh, that's interesting. Why did you do that? And saying, you know, that's really interesting that you made that decision. And I wonder if it was because of this other thing that you told me about a few minutes ago. And if that forced you to rethink maybe the way that you wanted to take your career. Like whatever it is, even if it's wrong, and it's probably going to be wrong, it shows them that you're really listening and it makes them like engage with the logic that you're presenting. And it, it just creates a deeper conversation. I do that all the time when I interview people and I find that they they're delighted by it. Like they always step back and they're like, huh, that's really I really thought about that. Um, yeah, I guess you're kind of right. And then and then they'll go off. Like it, it's it's just such an amazing trick. I mean, as long as you don't do it in like a judgy way. Don't do it in a judgy way. Do it in a way where like you're really trying to understand them and you're thinking deeply about what they just said. I like that. You know, I'm thinking of an analogy right now and I'm going to test this analogy out on you right now to see if this works. But yeah, I imagine a really boring conversation, one that just it kind of goes back and forth, back and forth, just like someone says this and someone says, oh, and tell me more about that. And then the other person, you know, just like you were saying, like a very bland conversation. Yeah, yeah it's like playing ping pong. pong. Exactly. That's, right. That was the analogy I was going to use. Like, that's <laughs> playing ping pong. Right. Whereas like maybe a game like, I don't know, basketball, it's a little bit more involved. Like, you know, you run up the court, someone's trying to block you. Like they're way yep. more engaged with you in this yep. game versus something yes. like, like ping pong, which is, you know what I mean? It's like pong. Right. I was going to, I was going to say pong, but I think there's probably a lot of people on here, but I don't even know what that is. But yeah. And I think that's, really the key, what you're saying is to get someone engaged and intertwined in the conversation, which makes it way more interesting, which really adds more rapport building to you and the other person, you know, instead of them just, because it's very easy to have a conversation where it's interview style. And then that, and when I say interview style, I'm talking about, like, you know, when you meet a girl like out and about, and it's just like you asking all these questions and they walk away and they're not going to remember you because they have nothing to remember you by because all that happened was they just answered a bunch of questions and said nice things about themselves. Whereas the way you're portraying it is like, it's really getting two people on a level where they're intertwining their different thoughts and theories and it's going off into more of a conversation than an interview. That's totally right. Also, if we can just get super meta, what you just did there in responding to the thing that I said is pretty much what I was talking about, right? Like you didn't just ask a follow-up. You kind of took what I said 
and you added some thoughts to it and you came up with something of a theory, which is like what I'm talking about is the difference between playing ping pong and playing a more complex sport. And then you gave it back to me, right? Which means that I know that you heard exactly what I said and you thought about it and you're contributing this great perspective to it that I'm now going to react to, right? It's like, it's really, it really, it furthers not just the conversation, but the connection, because I feel like you get me and now I get you. And, you know, and I, I guess I had this really interesting thing happened when I was dating, which, and I've heard, I, I've told this to other friends in media and they all had a similar experience, which is that I would go on dates with women and I would be totally bored. But afterwards, they would send me a note and they would have thought that it went amazing. <laughs> and at first I couldn't understand what was going on because I was like, that was really, like, we don't have a connection. I don't know why they thought it was so amazing. And then I realized what was going on, which was that just simply because I am trained in carrying on a conversation, our date was way more fluid and engaging than most of the dates that they go on. Because most of the dates that go on are these stilted ping pong conversations. And I was doing something different. And I wasn't all that engaged because I didn't find them, whatever, fill in the blank, all that interesting or attractive or whatever. But I was just naturally carrying on the conversation. And so that shows you the unbelievable power of being able to carry the conversation like that. Because if you are able to do that, you already elevate the date way above most of the other dates that women are having. Cool. I like that. So yeah, that's very powerful. I, I think it's so funny too that, that you just walked away and you're like, wait, what? Like. I didn't even feel anything there. And they're just yeah. like, yeah. And then they, and they loved it. Did you ever like recall in one of those dates where you're like, oh, you know what? Actually, I remember I, I was giving some good, some good, uh, I was asking some good questions there. Like, is there mm. anything you remember of like, you know what? I guess, I guess it does make sense because I remember saying this or saying this, even though, you know, apparently it's more just part of who you are now, but. Did any, anything come to mind that you might remember? Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember this one, this one date with this woman who we were at a bar and we really didn't have anything in common. She, but she was, she was in like graduate school and studying like the history of religion or something like that. And I'm not religious at all. And I don't, I honestly don't really find it all that, even all that interesting, but I do find history very interesting. And so the history of religion is a subject that I can, I can get into that. Like that was pretty interesting, actually. We ended up talking a lot about like her studies, but not in a boring way, because as soon as I, we lear I learned that thing about her and I started asking, well, you know, how'd you get interested in that? Why, you know, and then she would start to tell me some kind of interesting thing and I would start to engage on that subject. And we really, we, I feel like we, what we did is we kind of slid into a really great conversation that she might have with somebody who just like is passionate about a, the same subject that she is. Right. And you can like, you know, you can really geek out with somebody if you if you find someone who's really interested in something that you are also really deeply interested in. And so that's what I remember about that date. And the only other thing I remember about that date is that she went to kiss me and I didn't expect it at all because I <laughs> like I wasn't really even into her. But she totally thought that I was because I had I had was so engaged in in this conversation. And you know, just little did show, she know. Little did she know. I know. And then I like, I mean, I little did she know she learned very fast, right? Because I was like, I was surprised. And then she sent me this really nice email afterwards. And I kind of nicely shut it down. She sent like, you an email. What, what year was it? Uh, 2009. <laughs> oh, that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people don't, people don't email anymore. 
I think it's so, more about texting these days with the Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess we would have done that too, but no, this was definitely an email. But you know, it's like if you can find somebody's passion subject and you can get excited about it, like it just in some really curious way. And I realize that's hard because not everybody's thing is gonna be interesting. <laughs> Or even understandable. I remember going on a date with like some scientists. And I just couldn't wrap my head around what what it was she did, and it, it was it was definitely difficult. But you know, again, it, like in this way, it went back to being heard. Like she she has a passion for something. She's super interested in. It. She's clearly she's devoting years of her life to it, and that I was able to deeply engage in like a really thoughtful way on the subject that she's really passionate about. Clearly made her, I mean, just be corny about it, like passionate about me. It's it's too, it's too bad that that wasn't a better match because <laughs> it was a good setup. You know, I just want to say something off what you just said. If you ever, I have a little trick. I do this with not just with dates, but even with people I'm talking to. If I'm ever talking to them and I can't understand what it is they do, like it's gonna bug me. I'm just like mm-hmm. I just want to know because I get really person. I get really frustrated when someone can't explain their job. I'm just like, yeah. come on, whoever. I'm just like. It just feels pretentious to me. Like, what are you doing? Just explain to me what you do. I'm sure we can, we can figure this out. So what I like to do is, obviously, I'm not a jerk like that, right? Because the person would be like, what the hell is wrong with this person? Yeah. Uh, so I say instead, I'll say, okay, wait, hold on. I'm a, I'm a little confused. How about this? Explain it to me like I'm five. Oh, I say that all the time. Right? Which is, by the way, it's a popular subreddit. I don't know if you're Reddit, if you go on Reddit at all. No. Okay, so no, I, I, a little bit, but not enough to know whatever reference you're about to make. Okay, anyone who goes on Reddit will know what I'm talking about. But Reddit is uh, basically a website where people just post anything and everything. And so there's different subreddits, which are different categories of different topics, like any literally any topic you could ever think of. Uh, they have a subreddit for it. it's like a forum where people post things and talk. And so one of the things that they have is called Eli Five, which means explain it like I'm five. And people will go on there and be like, all right explain, you know, Bitcoin to me like I'm five, explain nuclear reactions like I'm five, explain why Trump got voted into office like I'm five. And then people will respond and explain it in very clear terms. So I kind of stole it from there because I was like, oh, that's awesome because I want a lot of things to be explained like I'm five because that's just a really easy, quick way to learn something. So I started incorporating that into my conversations and I'll say that, like, okay, explain it to me like I'm five. And it makes for a fun game. Yeah. Like I never had it go wrong where someone's like, what? They're like, oh, okay, cool. They'll like, they'll get engaged and they'll explain it to me. And it's fun. And it's fun for me to hear kind of what they say and for me to understand and ask questions back. And it's kind of cool. So that's just a little tip. I have, I have so much to say about that. So when I was a very new reporter, you know, fresh out of college, working at this tiny community newspaper, I had this problem. And the problem was that I was embarrassed tell people that I didn't understand something. Because, you know, imagine it. You're, I was a 21-year-old reporter, which means that I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm out there like to gather the news and to, to report. And I would sit down with people whose jobs I didn't really understand, the local mayor, the police chief, the president of the local hospital or whatever. And they would just in the course of talking, they would they would use a term or reference something and I didn't know what it was. And I didn't want to reveal to them that I didn't know what it was because I was afraid that they would think I was dumb and not trustworthy, right? Like, why talk to this kid if he doesn't know what like an RFP is, right? The mayor would say RFP. And what, so what would I do? I'd be like, I'd like write RFP down in my notebook and I would circle it and then would, I would go back to the office and like try to find out what it was. 
which in this case, uh, for those wondering, request for proposal. So after enough of this, I must have mentioned this to an older reporter who gave me a really valuable piece of advice, which is very similar to this thing that you've come to, which is never be afraid to ask a dumb question because someone would always rather you understand them than you don't. You know, And for a reporter, that's the difference between getting something right or getting it wrong in the paper. But if you're on a date, that's also the difference between like following the conversation or not, or or having an opening for a great insight and conversation and connection and not. Like somebody would always rather you understand them than that you don't understand them. And people don't look down upon you for not knowing something. I mean, like you just said, if you tell someone that you don't understand the thing that they're talking about, they don't like walk away from you. They're not like, oh, well, you're an idiot. They're like, oh, great. Well, let me explain this to you, right? Because it's a thing that they know they like. Everybody likes sharing and teaching. And then it creates this completely new direction of conversation where they are now teaching you and you're like asking them these questions. You're, I mean, flip it, flip it and imagine yourself in this scenario. It's kind of wonderful to like teach somebody something and to walk them into something that you know really well. Uh, like what woman doesn't enjoy that? Doesn't, doesn't be like, oh, great. I know this thing. You're interested in this thing. Let me, let me tell you all about this thing. You should never, ever be afraid of revealing that you don't understand something. Just, yeah, just own it. Like, you know, it's like so many things. It's about owning it. I love the explaining to me like a five-year-old because you're owning that you don't know it. You're like, you know what? I don't know this and I'm totally okay not knowing this. Treat me like a child. <laughs> like, and tell me, like, explain this to me, please. You know, it's like, as long as you don't broadcast discomfort, the other person will not be uncomfortable. I think there's something counterintuitive about that as well, because I think people think, oh, I don't want to like, admit that I'm dumb or that I don't know something. You know, it's going to make me look, you know, just bad. But really, I think when you can say it in a way where you're not ashamed of it, you actually look more confident. Yes. You know, like super counterintuitive there. You wouldn't think that that would be the thing that would make you seem more confident, but it's because you're more comfortable. You know, so you're just comfortable being like, oh, I, I don't have any clue what that is. Can you help explain that to me? Yeah, you know? that's right. That's it, right. People, uh, you know, I mean, I see this all the time with entrepreneurs who I write about every day. People who are the most confident are also the most, they own their failures and their downsides the most. Like they're just not, they're not embarrassed by them. They're like, yeah, that, that didn't work out really well. Or I don't really understand that. Can you, can you tell me that? Because they feel, because they feel like I mean, what you're doing when you admit in a really comfortable way that you don't know something is that you're all, you're basically saying my foundation is strong, right? Like I have no problem with the foundation of me, this little thing, this thing that we're talking about, I don't know it. So can you tell me it? Right. But you're like, you're not afraid of that because you, you know that you're standing on firm ground and and you broadcast that by doing so. Right. Exactly. I want to take this into another direction here because I think that you have a lot of more knowledge in terms of asking the right questions. So do you have any Mm -hmm. other techniques or tips on how to get someone to open up more? Because I know that that's a great way, as, as you were saying earlier, to get someone you know more comfortable with you. Like, What are some ways to dig deeper, maybe even have a deeper conversation with someone, with someone who you just met? You know, Because you're meeting strangers all the time when you're interviewing them. So how do you get yeah. them to open up more on things that might be, let's say, more uncomfortable to talk about? Yeah, it's a really good question. So you know, I mean, it's a case by case, which I just want to say because sometimes I will 
try a technique very early on in a conversation and sometimes I'll try it later and it kind of depends upon what kind of feedback I'm getting from a person. Are they really guarded? Are they open at the very beginning? Also, sometimes you just luck out and like you're just you just sort of like vibe with somebody really early. And when that happens, I feel like you can just like drop down into more personal stuff earlier. Well, let's say this. Let's even um, take it a step yeah. back. How can you even tell that you're vibing with someone? And how can you tell that you're not vibing with someone? Like what what is that? You know, like what does that feel like? What does that look like when you're when you're feeling those different energies? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's really all about, it's almost like call and response, you know, like, which is like, you know, in music, like, you know, uh, why don't you build me up, build me up, right? Like, it's like you throw something out and you like get it back, you know, like sometimes people will match your energy or your inquisitiveness or your humor. I, I find that sometimes when I sit down with like a source, which is, you know, again, I felt the same when I was sitting down on dates, sometimes just the very first thing that I'm presenting, like the level of energy that I am or just like my style of humor or something, if somebody matches it or seems very willing to roll with it, you know, sometimes you sometimes you meet someone and you just see what they're up to and you're like, I'm on board, right? Like, here we go, right? You can just feel that like what you're, what you're sending out, you're getting back. You just, it's just, you see it. And if you don't, that's fine, right? Because that could mean any number of things. It can mean that you're dealing with somebody who just takes a little bit longer to warm up or who just like thinks a little bit differently than you do, but like are is still awesome and really interesting. Or that you know, just like sometimes you're in the wrong circumstance, and and I don't you know, you sit down and like so there's a whole bunch of things happening all at once, and it's hard to just kind of focus, and it and it just it takes the energy out of that initial exchange. But what I like to do, generally speaking, with interviews is I like to. This metaphor doesn't really work, but I'm not going to use it anyway. I like to let them kind of like let the air out of the balloon first, which is to say, you know, most times when you meet someone, whatever the circumstance is that you're meeting them in, they tend to have a few things in their head that they want to like get out pretty fast, right? So if I'm interviewing somebody about their business, they like have the things that they want me to know about their business because I'm the journalist. And if you're if you're sitting down on a date, they're like, they have maybe some some things that they've just found that they like to tell people or just something like usually people have something. I find that you kind of have to let them just, just get it out. Just like, just get it out, you know? And once you do, now you're like on level with, you know, with them, like you've heard the thing and now we're going to move forward. And so sometimes I, I will, if I have enough time with somebody, I will literally let them go for like half an hour just telling me all the usual things because then once they've told it to me once or once they've told me just the stuff that's at the top of their head, I can start asking more detailed questions and more thoughtful questions and I get down and this is where I feel like you really want to get you get down to the place where they have to think about their answers because you know there are people who everybody regardless of what you do or what situation you're in, everybody has kind of stock answers to the questions that they're asked the most. And if you are dating, you're getting asked a lot of those same initial questions. So what do you do? So where are you from? Tell me about your family, whatever it is, right? Like everybody's asked that. And so they've come up with kind of repeatable ways to answer those questions. And that means that those answers are pretty valueless, right? What you need to do is hear them and then like get underneath them to the stuff where you actually have to get somebody to think about their answer. 
so I will, I will do that. And I will, I will look for those moments where somebody tells me something that maybe I should pick up on, you know, like I, like I, like I said, often the most interesting things that somebody's going to say are hinted at in a previous answer. And if you know, so they'll, they'll be telling you about their job or whatever, and there'll be some kind of side comment or some thing that they'll brush by and uh, be like, Oh, that's really interesting. Tell, tell me about that. I'm always looking for those at the same time as I'm exhausting people. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. It seems like you have a really good ear for it, you know, of yeah. picking out like when it's going to go off into when you could take it off into a tangent that might be more deeper or interesting. And I think for guys who are listening, I think it's going to take practice like everything does, right? It's just having a lot of conversations and being able to kind of seek out some of those moments when you can take it. And I, right. I, I'd say to guys, like, don't be shy about it. Like, just try and throw it out there and see where you can go down to a deeper route. If, you know, like, again, it, this is, right? We're, we're using the analogy of like, you're playing the game with someone and you're interacting with someone. Like, don't just be, you know, question, answer, question, answer. Like, get deeper while they're answering the questions. See if you can go off on a tangent. And that's kind of the beauty of a good conversation, right? Best parts about conversation is when you're having a conversation and it's like, you're in it for 30 minutes and you're like, wait a minute, we were totally talking about something else 10 minutes ago. And you have to rewind with the person to go back to a tangent that you actually wanted to learn about because you guys are off on another tangent. You know, it's like, yeah. that's a good sign that you've gotten somewhere. That's absolutely right. Right. Where you, where the whole thing is just flowing, where you've gotten to the point where, you know, like I said, when I, in the beginning, when I had these like written down questions where you're completely off script and you, and you're just, you're just going you're right that it does. It takes a lot of practice and you just have to, you at, at the beginning, you just kind of have to do it on faith. I often think about stuff like this, like that classic Indiana Jones scene where I think it's Temple of Doom. Well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, uh, where uh, it's the famous scene where he's try he's got to cross this chasm and walk on this invisible platform. So it's like you, you, you know, basically like you're standing there and you've got to put your foot out into the chasm and have faith that it's going to land on something hard. You can't see it, but you have to do it anyway. And I find that the more you do something like that, and just even something as simple as grabbing something that somebody says, that a woman says, that feels like there's an amazing follow-up there, that feels like you can dig deeper, just to do it and do it over and over and over again, you'll get to the point where you're really confident that there is solid ground when you step, when you stick your foot out, right? I would say that's really the only reason I have a good ear for it is because I did it so often that I now never fear that there isn't something there. And there is always something there for two reasons. Not, and it's not really, it's like one, it's because there's kind of something there always for everybody. Like people like talking about themselves and they like responding to thoughtfulness. And if they say something and you follow up on it, there's usually something they're going to say something. Right. And so it almost feels like I can't lose. Right. This has to be a part of it. Um, in our conversation here, like you have to be genuinely curious, like you have to find it within you to be genuinely curious about somebody. And if you're not find something that they're talking about that you're genuinely curious about, like tap into that curiosity because that's where it lives. Like it doesn't live in an intellectual exercise. It lives in a feeling, a feeling of, of, of interest, of, of curiosity. And I, and I would, I would approach things, you know, like just put yourself into the mindset of someone who 
really wants to get down to the truth of what she's saying, you know, like her truth, her interests. Like if she's talking about her job, like it's not really about the job. Maybe it's about why she likes the job or why she got into this career. Like, you know what I mean? It's like you get down to a level where you like understand the person and not just the facts about that person. And that's where things are really interesting. And the more curious you are about somebody, the more you'll, you'll naturally go there. Yeah, totally. And I say a, a good way of, another way of looking at this is, you know, saying this is where I draw my curiosity from. Cause as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, first of all, I totally agree. I, I talk about that all the time about telling guys to bring out their curiosity because that really helps in conversations. And then I kind of went inside for a second. And I was like, well, what makes me curious? Cause I'm a naturally curious person. I like to just learn about people. I'm like, well, why do I want to learn about people? Like, what makes me interested in that? And I think it's because I sit down with a stranger, whoever that is, a colleague, a girl, an acquaintance. And, you know, I, I realize deep down inside, like in the back of my head, not in the forefront, is that everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, no matter who you are, where you come from, it's always somewhat of an interesting story. Like how they got to where they are, how they were raised, where they got to that point, why they think like they think, why they do what they do. You know, I mean, I'd say most people have an interesting story and it's me going into a conversation going, I want to find out what that story is. What's the story behind this person and why are they who they are right now in front of me? And you'd be surprised that really, I mean, it's not like everyone has the most dramatic of stories, but a lot of people do. A lot of people do. So if you have any interest in why people act like they do or any interest in human psychology on on any front at all, then this can be a fun process for you. Learning about people, talking to people, understanding who they are. And of course, obviously, especially on dates, which you should anyways, because if you're technically because that's what a date is in a sense, right? It's like you're interviewing the person to say like, hey, is this person I want to actually keep on hanging out with? If, you know, if you're the guy who's looking for a relationship, that's what you're doing. And if you're not, that's what you should be doing because that's what it's all about. You want to get to know the person to see is this person a match for you, right? And it's going to come through their stories and what they say, but also on the more surface level of the actual interaction you guys are having in that moment. So it's good to look at all that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you don't want to be with someone who doesn't make you curious, right? I mean, like to date someone is to continue to learn about them and to like appreciate and understand their, how they see the world and the things that they know and understand. And, you know, I mean, like in a way, the whether or not somebody makes you curious is a really great sign of whether or not you should continue to pursue them. Because, you know, I mean, like to go back to that woman who I dated, who was like a religious studies major or a history, religious history major. Like I was, I was really interested in the, in her academic stuff. I could, I just wasn't curious about her in any other way. Like, I, you know, there was just nothing else about her that made me curious. And so I let my curiosity go where it did, which made for a very informative beer or two, but then that was it. Right. But if I can let my curiosity kind of wander and I can find all these other things about somebody that I'm really interested in and they are, they like allow themselves to kind of be revealed, that's a great match. Like that's some, that's something that you want to continue to pursue. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. And then it's something to look forward to. It's just, it's more fun to be with 
I would say inquisitive people, you know, Mm -hmm. it makes for more fun conversation. Thing is too, is guys are going to go out, they're going to meet girls and they're going to meet girls who just aren't like that. And they're pretty, I guess, basic, so to, so to speak. (laughs) And that's the reason why you're like, oh, this girl's basic. Like that's what you're, you're going to be saying that to yourself Mm -hmm. because you know, she doesn't seem like either very inquisitive herself or one that even knows how to tell her story. So you can imagine this probably is a whole other podcast episode and maybe you and I can do another episode if you're interested to do like, how do you tell your story? What's an interesting way to answer people's questions? It's like being on the other end of things because there is a way to tell your story, even if you think it's boring, which I can guarantee it's not. Like, Like I said, everyone's got some kind of story or some kind of even like small story that got them to where they are today and maybe not the macro story of their life, but even some little stories that, yeah. that make them who they are today. I totally, let's do another one. Cause uh, on that, cause I just, I have so much to say about that. And, and, and it's what I think about a lot for, even for myself now, right? Because I mean, everybody in the world has to figure out how they tell their story in the most kind of uh, useful way for them as possible. And it's so important to, to remember that like you own your story or right? like you're, you don't wear your story on your clothing. People don't see it. You reveal it. So you can tell it in the way that's most valuable and, and also it enables people to get to understand you in the, in the best way possible. But, but to go back to, to, to questions for at least a second, I, um, you know, something else I was thinking about as we were talking was another thing that drives me. It's not just curiosity when I'm talking to somebody. And this is going to sound maybe a little weird coming from a journalist who, uh, you know, I'm often when I interview somebody, like I'm looking to take something away, like I'm looking to have something that I can then deliver to readers, basically. And so in that way, like what I'm doing is I'm looking for some kind of really great insight or, or just something like valuable. But at the same time, I am driven personally, and I think that this makes for better conversations. I am driven personally to provide some kind of value to the person that I'm talking to. And that value can take all sorts of forms. It can just be sometimes, it could just be like making somebody think about something in a different way and being delighted by that. Like I I remember once I was interviewing, of all people, Sarah Michelle Gellar. And I asked her, I can't remember what I asked her, but she paused and she was like, you know, I've been asked the same questions over and over again. And it is so rare to be asked a question I haven't been asked before. And she was like delighted by that. And I, and I just, I was delighted. Like, I felt like I delivered something to her, right? Because interviews are boring for her. She's been doing them literally all her life. And like just today, I mean, this is different because I had breakfast with this guy who is something of a peer. I hadn't met him before. He he works at another company and we were just chatting. And in this conversation, I was like, I want to find something useful for this guy. Like, I want to come up with an idea that this guy is going to be excited about and is going to take away. And like he said, it was all in the follow-up. He was talking about how he does his job and the kinds of things that he does. And he mentioned this one specific skill that he has. And I was like, Ooh, tell me more about that. And he told me a little bit more. And then suddenly I was like, okay, I know exactly what you should do with that. And I, and I just, I used this thing that he had just mentioned in passing and I told him and I just let him see it in a different way. We came up with like a whole new business idea for him, like right there. But it was all because what I was looking for was some way to like, some way to be memorable, some way to be valuable, some way to take some information that somebody told me and add my own perspective and deliver it back to them in a way that just 
made their day better. And if you're looking for that, if you're like, if you're, if you're not like playing defense, but you're playing offense, you're like looking to provide some kind of value to someone, you instantly are more motivated. You're more attentive. You're more on your toes and you'll just catch things that maybe they don't even think about, but that is, that is part of their story. And you'll, you'll show them that you're really, really hearing them. And, and I, I just, I, I find that whenever I can do that in a conversation, we've got like a bond. Right. It's a very selfless move. You know, it's like you're being a nice person and you're giving your, it's like, there's no other better form of really hearing somebody than responding with some sort of idea or maybe some sort of value for them. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that to me seems like the ultimate. It's tough to say exactly. I'm trying to think of like where that would happen maybe in a conversation with a girl, but I mean, you know, depending, oh, on, th- depending yeah. on the context, you could find it. Oh, you could totally find it. I mean, I like, you could find it in just in, like, as I'm saying this, I'm like trying to think of moments where this happened with me, but I don't know, you know, just in, just in maybe getting to a place in a conversation where somebody's having a lot of fun and is clearly not having the conversation that they've had over and over again, or that they've told you something about some like passion project of theirs or some hobby of theirs or something. And you're like, Oh, you need to check out this podcast or like, you need to like, I'm going to, I can't wait to get home and send you a link to this thing. Like if you get to the point where you understand someone well enough that you're able to provide some value to them, where you like, you just see, you like see the opening, you see the opening. You're like, you have this interest set or you have this set of ideas. I have something for you but you need to get there first right and so so it's like you're almost like looking for where you can really plug in and provide value and i definitely remember doing a lot of that when i was dating where we you know we would talk and i would go home and i'd have like three or four things that i wanted to say that i was like you got to check out this show and you got to check out this thing right like and i think they liked it because i was i like it would just show that i was interested and i wanted to contribute yeah and that you also have something in common right it's like if you're offering ideas, perspectives, or value on something, that means that you have somewhat of an interest in that. And therefore, boom, you start to make that connection with right. that girl. Right? Right. Jason, this has been awesome. The really powerful tips, techniques, very cool. And it's been so interesting even for me to just sit here and pick your brain and, and hear about all this. Like I just learned some cool stuff today that I will definitely be using in my conversations. Definitely that Ira Glass technique that you were talking yeah. about of really going deeper and asking them their kind of like opinions or theories about whatever the conversation's about. That was really cool. So thank you for being here. And really quickly, tell us again about your book that you have coming out. Tell us about exactly when it's coming out, more about what it's about and why these guys should check it out. Yeah, for sure. So it is really, you know, the book fits in very nicely with our conversation here because it is, it is about honesty. And of course it's, it's playing with it. It's because it's really about like what happens when people are totally honest about the thing nobody's ever honest about. So it's called Mr. Nice Guy. It comes out on October 16th. I wrote it with my wife and it is, again, it's about two people who each week sleep together and then critically review each other's performance in a magazine, which is to say like every week, these two characters are having sex and then they are writing like there, it's like, what would happen if you wrote a really critical, like, like a movie review style thing about last night's sex. What would that look like? And what would it, what would it be like to read that about yourself? And it's, of course, that is a level of honesty that I don't think I, or, or almost anybody would ever be prepared for in real life. But in the novel, it's a lot of fun. And what it really, really engages in is the importance of communication and the limits of communication and the way that these characters kind of go at it and then learn to actually 
kind of like each other, despite the odd and terrible circumstance that <laughs> put themselves in, is really a lot of fun. And at the same time, you know, it's very much set in the magazine world. And my wife and I poured basically all of our experiences in dating and living and, and kind of chasing the dream in New York into this. You know, both both of us came out of really long-term relationships, me, an eight-year relationship, or me, a nine-year relationship, and, and Jen, my wife, an eight-year relationship. You know, we both entered the dating pool feeling totally spun around. You know, like I just didn't, I was like, here I was, I was in my late 20s and I was dating really for like the first time because I, I had this college girlfriend that then the relationship went on forever. And so um, I had to figure out like what people wanted and how I could relate to women and like, it was just really confusing and complicated. And so the character, the, the male character that we created is in a very similar situation and is really trying to find his way and at the same time, like get comfortable with himself. And then of course, he gets thrown into really just the most emotionally challenging situation that is possible, which is that he's sleeping with a sex columnist and she is very, very experienced and she is uh, making no bones <laughs> about uh, what she thinks of his performance. So uh, anyway, it's it's really it's a lot of fun, and I think I think guys would would be super into it. And I, also, you know, we've heard from a number of couples who bought two copies and were like, they're going to be reading them in tandem because it's a good conversation starter. So that's been I can't wait to hear like how that goes. Anyway, so Mr. Nice Guy, October sixteenth. Cool. And where can they pick it up? Uh, anywhere, anywhere. It'll be on uh, you know your your local bookstore, uh, Amazon, Audible, uh, wherever you get books, uh, you can find it. Awesome. Very cool, Jason. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, like I was saying earlier, we'd love to have you back do another episode where we dive deep into how to tell your story. So we'll have you back. Guys, go check out that book. Jason, thanks again. Hey, thank you. Thank you.